we'll see. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Empowerment with Elizabeth. Today I'm here with my sweet new friend, Christine, who is a forever Miss Mississippi, and she is going to talk to us a little bit about her year as a title holder and her experience with the Miss America and Miss Mississippi organization. So Christine, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Sure. Okay. So uh, my story is really long as a, as a human, so I'm going to like compress this down. I've just had a lot happen in the last few years, but um, I am... Uh, 35 years old. I was Miss Mississippi back in uh, 2008, so 15 years ago. Um, since then, I have gone on to pursue acting, um, and so I do that on the side. I have two babies. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, um, and I am running a supplement company full-time. The supplement company is actually my late husband's supplement company, so um I don't want to get emotional because I was just crying about this a second ago at my mom's doctor's appointment, but my, um, my late husband's death anniversary is coming up in a couple of weeks. And so I'm going to go visit him for the first time. I haven't been ready emotionally. And so I'm going to go visit him in a couple of weeks. Um, and all that, not to really be on a sad note, but on a beautiful note. And that within two years, the Lord has really just done amazing works in my life. I am getting married in March to, um, a man that I have known since I was 19 years old. So, um, right after I competed in Miss America, um, I worked for this company that he had just started. I was his first licensed agent. When I say he, my new fiance, his name's Sean. Um, he, um, had recruited me into his business as a 19 year old and it was, um, life insurance and investments, um, helping people save money for retirement, things like that. Um, it was like a financial advisor, which I didn't know anything about at 19, but I, I liked to learn, uh, whenever he told me about it, I was like, this is really valuable information. You know, they don't teach us this kind of stuff in high school or college or anything really, as far as like how to manage our money when we're older. So long story short, when, um, Tommy, my late husband and I decided to start a family, decided to start trying for our first baby, uh, Roman, we wanted to, um, get all our ducks in a row. Like everybody does, right. Health insurance and, and all this and so I knew that we needed life insurance. So I ended up calling our life insurance agent and just letting him know like, Hey, we're going to get married. We're going to try for a baby. Can you come get that set up for us? And like all life insurance policies, it's one of those things that you just like stuff in the closet. Cause you're like, we're never going to need this. We're going to grow up together and we're going to die holding hands like the notebook. And, and, and especially when you come from this cupcake rainbow world where, you know, I had an amazing childhood growing up and I had never really dealt with loss. Um, we're all different. You know, some of us lose, um, from a very, very young age, but that wasn't really a lesson that I had to learn until two years ago. Um, and so when everything happened, um, Sean is actually the one who delivered my death policy. Um, and we were still just friends and, um, I was grieving and I was pregnant uh, whenever Tommy was killed, I was 12 weeks pregnant. And so I was not obviously looking for anyone. Um, and John himself was actually engaged. Um, and so it was just this beautiful friendship that we had always had all those years. And, um, like I said, he, he brought my policy and took care of everything from there. And it wasn't until months and months and months later that the Lord brought us together. And he's now beautifully fathering my children. And, um, so we're getting married in March and we're running, businesses together. And I have this person who's like this, I just feel so taken care of because I have this heavenly father. And then I have the father of my children who I know is safe and happy and out of a lot of pain. He dealt with a lot of back issues and um, was actually able to be a martyr for the Lord, which was a dream of his 
that he hoped to fulfill in his 80s, but he was able to fulfill that. He was killed while we were um, preaching the gospel, knocking doors in a low-income neighborhood, and that was part of his dream, and I'm glad that the Lord gifted him that. And then I've been blessed with this new man in my life that takes care of my kids and literally loves them as his own. And anybody who's ever been the product of that as a stepchild who's had someone step in in their life and 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 fulfill that role or who has fallen in love with someone else's kids in that way, they know what I'm talking about and how beautiful that is to watch. And it's all transpired in, um, in right at about 12 month period. So, so that's where I am in my life right now. It's a lot of emotion. Wow. No, thank you so much for sharing that. That is a crazy story, but also um, I feel like so encouraging because I think a lot of times, you know, like people think that like, grief is the end. And really, it's just the beginning of a beautiful journey that, um, that you never know what's going to happen. And and I love that, you know, you are, you know, starting over and, um, you know, starting your new journey with Sean, that's so exciting. But um, I'm so sorry for your loss. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know any of that. So but thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. That's yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a healthy place now to where it's just like you said, like grief never goes away. It's um, something that we all deal with for the rest of our life. And it comes in cycles and ebbs and flows and, and you can't ever compare apples to oranges because even one person, so losing a spouse can't be compared to losing a parent can be compared to losing a child. And even, but even trying to compare losing a spouse to somebody else who lost a spouse, every widow that I've ever spoken with, everybody's story is different. Everybody it's, there's no wrong or right way, but um, it's nice to be at a point now where I feel healthy enough to actually want to use the story for no other reason other than to help other people, whether that's like helping them spiritually or um, emotionally just realize that it's okay to hurt. It's okay to talk about it, whatever. Like finally at a point where I'm like, okay, I can, I can make it through this now because I'm in such a better place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I even just like talking about like big emotions, like grief and, um, you know, loss, I think is so important. And I think it's something that we avoid. I, this is very obviously different and on a much smaller scale, but I was talking to the current Miss Mississippi Teen USA about an hour ago. We were talking about, um, you know, how in the pageant world, it's so normal to, you know, whenever you lose or whenever you get second runner up or whatever it is to just be like, oh, yay, I'm so excited. But reality is like, you're like, dang, that totally seems. And I I just had a conversation about an hour ago with my mom. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that, you know, it's becoming more normal in our culture to like feel all the emotions and to, you know, not try to hide behind those. And um, that's something that I've kind of started learning too. you know, just as I, you know, grow and mature as um, a college kid. And so I love having you as an example of that. That was, yeah, that was really (laughs) hard. Okay. So back to the cupcakes and rainbows part of your life. What right. you started? As a person, I'm still very cupcakes and rainbows. I love it. I love it. Okay, so what first got you start? Got you started competing in pageants? Um, so I never did pageants growing up at all, ever. Um, the the little bit that I did that it could even remotely come close to that was just like I was I was a dancer growing up, but we really couldn't afford for me to do a lot of dance. So I would like dance for a few years, and then I would have to quit. And then I was able to dance a few years, and I had to quit. So that was kind of like the extension of my performance and like competition, um, and anything that was pretty feminine or not feminine, but like girly like that in that way. Um, other than that, I had done like you know cheerleading and, and tennis and stuff like that, but I'd never done pageants. 
Um, and that became clear when I did my very first pageant. So I have to say this to my coaches, if they watch this, they're going to die. What got me in, what, what got me into it was I had a, was that your question? What got me into it? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question and then I'll tell the funny little story. I actually just had this, um, teacher, Miss Stebley, her daughter competed throughout the, uh, uh, Miss America system. And she was just, she knew that I was looking for scholarships and she was like, this is something you really need to look into. And she just threw the paperwork down on my desk. And I was like, yeah, sure. I was definitely a yes woman in high school. Like anything. I was just like, yes. Like if there was a club, I was in it. If there was a leadership position, I was applying for it. Um, it was insane. When I look back now, even as a mom, I'm like, how did I balance all of that? So there was just one more thing. I was like, yeah, sure. And so I'm really grateful for her. And she knows that she she just threw it on my desk. I ended up doing it. I won my first local title and I went to Miss Mississippi. Uh, the first year didn't place, didn't, cause I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, and I had never done it before. And, uh, when I did my very first local title, I walked in and I had, uh, they always make fun of me because I had on like tights, like, like hose, like old lady hose. And I walked in with a purse, like a big gold purse. And I just like set it on the podium and I was like playing with the purse the whole time. And like, they still to this day do a spoof. <laughs> But they were like, but you were just, you know, you were just so real and a breath of fresh air. So we picked you, but we knew we had to clean you up good. And um, so I did that the first year. And then, um, and then the next year I came back and praise the Lord ended up winning uh, once I figured out what I was supposed to be doing. But yeah, it was, it was through Miss Stebley that got me started. I just wanted to get some scholarship money like most of us. I love it. I love it. Okay. So talk about your favorite phase of competition and then a little bit about why that phase is your favorite. Um, okay. So this is going to be a twofold answer. You'll find that I'm long-winded and everything, but uh, it's a twofold answer in that I had a different phase of competition whenever I first started competing in pageants. And then that shifted towards the end. And even if you could tell me now, like if I were to go do a Mrs., it's going to be that, that, uh, the latter. So when I first started, my favorite was talent. Um, because I was, I was able to dance. I was able, able to perform. Um, and I was very comfortable on stage because my background was in performance. I loathed interview. I was a mess. Actually, whenever I did interview for Miss Mississippi, the year that I won, so my second year competing, I got in the elevator. And as you well know, you can't have your parents there. You have your pageant mom. And my pageant mom picks me up from the elevator. And she's like, you know, real positive and doing her job. She's like, how did it go? And I was just like, I just cried the whole way. And I was like, I bombed and I blew it. It was horrible. And I I was like, y'all got something wrong. Because like, I was so, I hated interview. I never felt like I could study enough. I always felt uncomfortable. I was always shaking. I was always nervous. I was, I was so young too. I was 19 and because I had only competed at 18 and at 19, I just didn't really feel like I was ready. So, um, so it was talent. And, um, when I competed uh, a few years later in the Miss Collegiate, the Miss High School America system, um, as like a 20, gosh, I think I was like 23 years old. Um, I loved interviewing interview was my favorite. And I walked away from that national competition, having one overall interview. And I understood at that point what interview really was and what the objective of interview was. And because I had judged a few pageants after that, before I competed, I understood what the judge, I understood it from a judge's perspective. I understood it from a director's perspective um, and from a national director's perspective and what they're looking for at that level, having already competed at that level. And so um, interviews, sometimes just a matter of just like, um, perspective and um 
experience. And so if, you know, if you were to ask me, my car is going to turn off, I'm going to turn it off and turn it back on. If you were to ask me now, um, like if I was going to go compete, which one I would be most excited about, if I were to do another one, it would be interview because of that ability to connect to people. Not that I don't love performing, um, and not that you can't connect with an audience performing, but there's just so much more, you know, personalness, just like this, right? The podcast, there's just so much more back and forth and you just, um, love getting to talk about the things that you're passionate about. Yeah. I'm a big interview girl too. And I feel like it's because it's really like the only phase of competition where you get some form of feedback because growing up a dancer, yeah. I, was, I grew up a dancer too. And I yeah. first started competing like last year. I was like, what do you mean? We don't get a sheet with every single thing that the judges thought on it. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. And like, what do you and mean? You like, how do you know? Yeah, you don't get a... It's so true. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was like, how do you know what to fix? Like, I don't know. But an interview. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because when you lose dance competition your coach or your dance teacher is like this, this is everything they said. Here's their check marks. Here's their notes. And you're like, all right, cool. And you're good with that. Cause you, that's, you want, you want that. You want to be critiqued so you can get better. And you just like, I have no idea if they like me. You don't even know your scores. Yeah. You know, you just yeah. know, like if you feel good, but what if you feel good and they're like, rrr, rrr, you know, <laughs> literally. Well, and I've had to like come to peace with that. And I've, I've decided to be at peace with it because I've decided uh-huh. that it prevents me from nitpicking myself and from being a perfectionist, which is what I tend towards. And so I've decided that I like it and I like that it's subjective because that brings me peace. <laughs> and it's been yeah. something I've had to like decide. <laughs> but yeah. okay, talk a yeah. little bit about your preparation for Miss America. What did it look like? What did you focus on? All the things. Okay. So, um, as, as again, as you know, every state is different and the Miss America, the Miss Mississippi state system through Miss America is so wonderful in that. I mean, some people maybe don't want to have to leave school, but I found it so wonderful that I was given the opportunity to get to take off of school for a year to serve. Um, because I can't imagine having really done both, right. Um, it's really hard whenever you're straddling these two huge goals, Um, And while sometimes a lot of times in life we have to do that, it was just really nice to be able and to be allowed financially and responsibility wise to unplug from college and just focus on prep and appearances. Um, And so um, that was really awesome. And um, prep for Miss America, I will never forget. I was the, um, the last girl for the Hopsons. So for Pat and Briggs Hopsons, Hopson, which are legends in the Miss Mississippi organization. I was their last girl, which came with, you know, like pros and cons, right? Like I'm their last girl. They're like, done. This is our last hoorah. Um, but at the same time, it made it really special. And they were kind of like really, really super intentional with, um, with me. And so I'll never forget because I won the swimsuit part of the competition. Uh, Briggs goes, well, you just keep doing whatever you're doing for that, you know, and which, which was so refreshing to hear because the very first pageant competition I ever did as my, when I, when I won my first local, I just remember sitting down with my coaches and then critiquing every single part of my body. And they just be like, we got to do this, 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 this. And I was like, oh, I thought I looked good, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, just doing it. There, I was, it was my first time being critiqued in a, in a swimsuit. So I'm just a little like, okay, you know, but then I get mm-hmm. that they were just trying to like say, Hey, if you want to win and we want to do good, 
we're going to be stinking honest with you. And this would, you know, it's like, and I'm like, praise the Lord. And thank God. I'm so glad that they did that. But it was so nice, right. To go to juxtapose like that to him being like, you're good. I'm like, Oh, thank God. Please don't tell me I'm going to like lose more weight or whatever. Like we're good. All right. So I just kept doing that. And that was great. Um, but as far as the day-to-day prep to like really answer this question for the, um, title holders that could be watching, um, I am an all in or all out person. And so I wanted to make sure that when I went to Miss Mississippi, whether I ever won, because I was willing, I was 19, I was willing to go all the way up until what, at the time, the age, the age out was 24. I think I moved it to 26 now, Mm -hmm. like the USA system. But I was willing to go every year, regardless of whether I won, just because you could, you know, win so much scholarship money without having um, earned the title. And so, and then it was just fun, right? They make it such an experience. It's an amazing experience. And um, the show alone itself as a dancer is just so fun. So just getting to do rehearsal is just amazing. I loved it. So um, I was willing to to just do that. But whenever I really sat down after the first year and looked at um, preparation um, for the pageant, that same prep that I did for Miss Mississippi, the same mindset just carried over into Miss America. And that's where you're, where you'll really see the judges can see that. So my Miss Mississippi, I wasn't preparing for Miss Mississippi mentally, even, even not in a haughty way. Like if I ever thought I was going to go to Miss America, but when I was preparing for Miss Mississippi, I was preparing for Miss America, Um, especially because some it, it was really weird with when Miss America was going to be. You never knew, like, if every year they were going to change that, and you were going to have to go two months later. So it was just like you had to be ready. It wasn't like, well, we can get her and and we can prep her up for six months, and she's going to be good to go. It's like, no, you need to be ready then. Um, so my Miss America prep was just this continuation as far as just like the mentality and the motivation. But now I had help, right? Now I have wardrobe sponsors. Now I have um, trainers. Now I have a massage therapist. Now I have all of these, um, mock interviews that are set up for me with these panels. Whereas before I got to like call people and do all that. So, um, so prep was amazing because I went, um, from being just by myself with having a team. So what prep looked like, sorry, I told you I'm long with <clears throat> what prep looked like for me, um, was I would wake up, I would go run a mile and this is not a, you should take down this regiment. This is just what I did. I would run a mile and then I would go to uh, what at the time was CrossFit. It wasn't the same as it is now, but it was before CrossFit was really a thing. This is 15 years ago, but it was a a class where we just kind of like went all out for like an hour and it was competition. And then I would go run like another, like three or four miles because I didn't have anything else to do if I didn't have an appearance. And then I'd go rehearse in the dance studio within that gym and then I'd go home, eat, probably take a nap. <laughs> uh, and then I'd wake up and the rest of the day was dedicated to um, interview. And that's all I did. And I was just an extremist. And I'm not saying this, this is how you should be. Because <laughs> if I competed in a budget now, I wouldn't be this way. But just there's just a time in your life sometimes whenever you need to be all in. You know what I mean? Because you can look back, your, look back when you're my age and be like, no, I gave it everything. Right? People trying to go to the MLB. People trying to go to the NFL girls trying to go to Miss America. It's like, there's this time in your life where for a few years, it's so nice to say that you did something really extreme because it's not lifestyle. It's for a very short amount of time. So like when I say I did not eat a sweet for years, like I didn't eat a sweet. I did not put on a TV show or put on a um, song in the car or anything because I was like, no, 
if I want to compete at a level, I need to be working harder than the hardest working girl on that stage. And so if my radio was on, it was an audio book or is a mock interview, or it was something that was going to prepare me for Miss America. If um, I was watching something, same thing. Um, I didn't allow for leisure. And that cost me a few things here and there when it came to like certain like relationships and quality time with my family. And so that's why I say that there, there needs to be a healthy balance. Um, anybody who knows me is just like, yeah, just, just let her go. And I've learned, I've learned lessons since that point, but all that to say that when I prepped, it was all in, I looked up every possible question that I could have ever possibly been asked. It was an election year. It was the Obama election year and knew that I was going to have a lot of curveballs thrown at me. And I wanted to go in as ready as possible. So, um, as far as a day to day, that's what it looked like. And then, you know, as you follow any Miss Mississippi, um, ours was before social media, but now it's cool that you can see what their day to day looks like, how many thousands of miles that they're traveling, uh, by the end of the year, how many George car cars are going through. Um, but overall the year was beautiful and the Miss America prep was just it was it was grueling but the thing is is that it's only grueling if you make it grueling because if you get recruited you know in in a minor league or you get recruited to a school for a scholarship program they're putting you on a, on a regimen and the Miss Mississippi program is they're giving you like a skeleton but at the same time your day-to-day is you you have to be self-disciplined self-motivated just like if you were an entrepreneur you have to set your own schedule and it's going to look different for everybody but that's what mine was it was just like I'm gonna get my body ready and then I'm gonna get my mind right period. I love that. And I love what you talk about with audiobooks and, you know, listening to interviews. That's something that I found to be really helpful is just like watching like previous Miss Americas or even Miss USA's or Miss Universe. Um, and something that I've started doing is they'll do the onstage question and they'll like, whatever the question is. And then I pause it, answer it myself oh, and then li- listen to them. And um it's so true it's so helpful and it's like built into you know when I drive back to Texas from Mississippi and and vice versa and um I can have eight hours of that which is so useful so yeah that's a great positive way to look at that because most people would find that very (laughs) grueling but yeah exactly I mean that alone is prep because sometimes you are on the road that many hours within the course of two or three days as Miss Mississippi because you're like and obviously the the, your your manager tries to do her best to to book where where you're like this but sometimes you're in Biloxi and then you're in Oxford and you're like and then you're like back in Gulfport and you're like wait a minute okay it's fine it's fine <laughs> I love it I love it it's refreshing to you talk about your prep because I'm like I I feel like a lot of people sometimes think I'm crazy with my prep and I always tell people too that I'm preparing for Miss America not just Miss Mississippi and so yeah. I feel like we're on the same wave, same wavelength here this is very time. refreshing it's a, it's a short time it's like whenever you see people doing like an extreme keto diet or they're doing something that's just real extreme like I'm gonna go vegan I like went raw vegan for a year one time it was a year and I learned a lot of lessons from it, but it's not, it's not sustainable. It's just something that you want to do to prove to yourself that you can do it, that you can go. And that trickles over, that carries over into being a partner and being a mom and being a business person or being an amazing employee or whatever it is, like that mindset. So I, yeah, I encourage that mindset, like yeah. do it because you don't have any of these other responsibilities right now. You just got like you and your school and your future. And then the other little parts of you, whether it's like your spiritual journey or whatever, but it, right now it's just you. And that's okay. You need that time, especially as a female, but who's, who's the one who does give up her body and does, you know, move, 
typically move into the man's world and we still have our own, but at the same time, like we do give up a lot. And so that's, what's so cool about the pageant world is that it's a time where you can focus on you time where you can shine. But at the end of the day, you're doing self help, self reflection. So it's all, it's okay to be like that for a little while because the rest of your life is going to be dedicated to other people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so talk about the most surprising thing about the shift from being a local title holder to becoming a state title holder. Um, well, um, kind of like just what I said earlier with being the state title holder, it just shifts from, um, it's a lot more responsibility, but I found it refreshing because you no longer have to focus on um, 20 other things. It's just one. Um, it's just prep and appearances and appearances kind of have their own, um, challenges, um, to them as well, opportunities, but challenges, but, um, being the, the state title holder, you, um, you have a new sense of confidence because you're like, I did it, you know, like I'm here. This was the goal at the end of the day, no matter what happens at Miss America, I am in the forever family hood. And, um, this is something that's going to change the trajectory of my life, you know? So, um, every battle, I saw my mom earlier this week, every battle that we fight on this earth is, is in our head. You know, I mean, how many fist fights have you been in? Right. So, um, anything that we can do that, um, helps us to find, uh, a more stable mentality and confidence within ourselves, and obviously not, um, egotistical, but just feeling confident to be who we are and being confident about our strengths and understanding our weaknesses and embracing our weaknesses. And, um, that's what that big shift was, was that I realized that I could do something that big, which just gives you another step of confidence to be able to do something bigger. And that's really huge at that age. You know, that's what that program's about. That's what programs like that are about. It's not just about, um, as we all well know, getting glammed up and, and feeling pretty, which is also something that we need as women. Um, but it's so much more about um, those really um, impressionable years of 13 to 26. You're still, you're still, you're still a kid and you, you don't think you're a kid when you're in your twenties until you get in your thirties and you realize that you still are such a child, you are a young adult, but you realize that our life, you know, hopefully for most of us will go to 80, 80 something years old. And once you're in your thirties, you realize that you're an adult. So 50, 50 years of your 80 years of life, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in general terms here, but you're an adult, you know, and it's that 20 late twenties, mid twenties down that you're a child. You know, and obviously we got like infant toddler, but, but you're a kid. And, and so it's, I, I love that there's those an impressionable years where in the Miss America program, I went from being a kid to slowly being formed into a young woman. And I would always have these um, older people, men and women tell me things um, like, you know, I, they were so impressed with, um, the way that I spoke or the way that I thought or whatever. And obviously all glory 
goes to God as far as like him giving me those things. But at the same time, it was that system that allowed me to, to, to start forming myself in that way. You know, I wasn't just thinking like a kid anymore. And so from going from a state, sorry, going from a local to a state title holder, just started making me turn into a young woman and you don't have to win to do that. Right. There's so many girls who come out of this system, um, without a state title holder, but they're, they've just, God, it's changed their life. But it was, it was something that, that just a, a flip was switched in my head, you know, for myself that I, I can do big things. Yeah. Have you ever taken the Enneagram? I just learned about the Enneagrams this year. I feel yeah, like I just, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a three. Like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense too. Because I was like, I'm a one and everything that you're saying is like exactly how I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. First person to say that being a state title holder is easier. But, and again, I just met you, but I feel like it's probably because as a local title holder, you're probably doing somewhat of what the state title holder was already doing, you know, like kind of preparing for the job. And I feel like, you know, what, since you had more time as a state title holder, it probably did make it easier. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, the Instagram thing's fun. I I'd never heard of it, but it's, I, it, it made so much sense. And, um, I think anybody who's ever learned their Instagram is embarrassed to say their Instagram because each Instagram comes with negative things too. And you have to like, it feels like a knife just cutting you all the way open and exposing everything about you whenever you figure out who you are and you're like, <gasps> Oh my no. God, that's exactly what I do. Oh my God. You know, yeah. and of course you like, you're like, yeah, I like this part of it. But then like, there's so many other parts that you're just like, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> that's also the amazing thing about it though, is that it makes you like, look at that stuff about yourself. <laughs> you're, you're way more self-aware. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So what was your favorite appearance as Miss Mississippi? Okay. This was something, cause I, um, I've, I've heard this question before and, um, I think it was somebody asked me that this year and I have the worst memory ever when it comes to specifics. Um, and so I don't even remember appearances specifically and it has been 15 years, but I remember overall general things, right? Like I remember bird's eye views of things. Um, so I really don't, I really don't remember. I will say that my favorite appearances as a whole were the ones where I wasn't necessarily like there to perform. I was there to serve um, because this is a huge theme um, that I want to plug into uh, as far as like my experience, whatever I won, is that that year becomes so much and, and, and society does an amazing job of making you feel special and to make you feel beautiful. And, um, everyone's asking you the same questions, honestly, the whole year that you win, they're asking you. And it's a beautiful thing because they're genuinely excited. And they're like, what are you doing? And how do you like this? And all this, but you get so sick. I did. I got so sick of talking about myself and answering the same questions and telling the same stories. I was just like, please just tell me about your life. <laughs> like I'm, I just keep hearing the same running thing in my head because everybody wants to know everything. And, and at the time, like if you had social, like I'd have been like, okay, this is everything going on. If you see me in person, go watch the video. Can we talk about just anything else? You know? And I couldn't do that. So, you know, to be 
um, respectful, of course, I'm trying to give it all I got to every single person that I talked to. But my favorite appearances as a, as a whole in general were just the ones where like, I didn't have to like go up on a stage and perform or whatever. And if I got to speak, that was kind of cool. If it was like a topic that had some meat to it and, and I was able to speak on something that I knew was actually going to really affect people, not like speak on who, you know, about myself. But it was the ones where I got to just kind of get like down and dirty and nitty gritty and actually help and serve and walk away with that feeling that we all get like at Christmas, whenever you're really, they say how much of a blessing it is to give rather than to receive, because like you can walk away from something where it's like all about you. And of course, like your ego was stroked and you're going to feel good about that, but it does not compare to whenever you get to, I mean, I was just helping my mom. I was just, I was helping. I brought my mom to the doctor. That's why I'm in the car. And there was this guy in the elevator. And I didn't do, I didn't do anything, literally read a piece of paper, but he was just like, tell me what floor I'm supposed to be on, you know, and just be getting the opportunity for someone to ask me to help them. And I get to help them. I love watching those people on Instagram where they are like a Jimmy darts. If you've ever heard of him, where they just dedicate their whole life to just helping people. And they have pages where like their followers will donate stuff and they're able to like deliver these things to people. Like they're able to deliver to a grandma, a check for like $25,000 that they helped raise because her daughter just died and she's raising her five grandkids. And she's like directing traffic at a bus stop and it hurts for her to be on her feet, but she doesn't really know how else to make money. Like, and so that kind of stuff is like, amazing like if I could do that kind of stuff my whole life and that was my job wouldn't we all want to do something like that but just getting to do that and tell this man like you're on you're on the second floor do you want me to walk you to your way and like I would have loved for that man to ask me for the next 20 minutes to help 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 him somehow because that is what feeds our soul that's what feeds our spirit as humans and everybody will feel like that when they get to experience it and you realize like yeah, there's something more to this. Like, of course, we all like our ego stroke, but this kind of service is what it's all about. You know, so those were my favorite kinds of appearances. I love that. I love that. I mean, that makes sense. Um, okay, final question. What is your favorite thing about Mississippi? Um, you know, I, I had this weird little throwback in my head just now because I heard that question a lot. Um, during mock interviews. And there's so many of these cliche answers that they would have you tell. And there's all these statistics that popped up in my head just now that I would have to like learn and, and regurgitate and stuff like that. But I can say as someone who moved away, not really far, um, I moved to like, you know, out different parts of Alabama, different parts of um, Louisiana for the last 15 years. I just got back home two years ago after Tommy died, I moved um, home, but I haven't been here. And the whole time I was gone, all I, <laughs> I didn't complain, but my main uh, I was like complaining, like nagging all the time, but like my main complaint of not being home was the caliber of the people here. And, um, I grew up on the coast, but then that year, right. I got to travel and I got to meet, um, everybody in the state and everybody in the state was the same. Mississippi was the same. Every single place that I went, I experienced it here. Um, just now, uh, this lady walks in the door and, and this, this older lady who's probably 40 years older than the lady who walks in says, ma'am, ma'am, you, you have my seat. You have my seat. You know, I'm not a patient today. I'm just here with somebody. And, um, and that lady's like, I'm not a patient either. I'm here for somebody else. So you go and sit your little butt right over there. Thank you so much. You sit down. And it was just like, but they're genuine. This is not a show, you know? And so it's the people, it is the people here because when I lived over in Louisiana and I was just walking down the, the, the road, I was the same person that I always was. And here, at least in my city and in my area, like you smile at everyone, 
you wave at everyone. You say how you, it's, it's not a big deal to be like, Hey, how are you doing? How's your day? Yeah. All right. Well, God bless you. Get, whatever. That's normal. You smile at someone somewhere else. And obviously I've never like lived in New York, but it reminded me of when people talk about how it is in the North sometimes, um, that I was the weirdo. And like, as I'm just trying to smile at someone and wave, they're like, you know, and that was consistent on a daily basis. And I kind of got jaded, um, where I had to just kind of stop doing that. And then I realized that I had been jaded when I moved home and I had stopped doing that also because I was grieving and I didn't want to make eye contact with people. But when I finally started getting comfortable enough to, put my eyes up off of the ground whenever I walked and I was okay with making eye contact with people. I realized that they were now doing it to me what I had always done. And now I was the Louisiana other person. And I was like, Oh, you got to go back to your, go back to your roots. Let's get you back in. It's okay. People can smile. We can talk. And um, so yeah, the people. I love it. That's, that's a common theme across anybody who I've asked that question to has said something is community. Yeah. When you leave the state, you realize, and not that there aren't, it's not, like that i mean obviously i'm only speaking on my experience in the few cities that i lived in in those two to three states but yeah it's special we're special down here as far as just um our expectation or it's, it's just our culture mm-hmm. yeah just as, have expectations outsider, as somebody culture. who moved here like six years ago i i totally agree that's something that um i love and i cherish about mississippi for sure so so yeah. thank you so much christine for coming on you're so sweet to do this and come talk to me about your year and um, all the things that you love about Mississippi and the Miss Mississippi organization. So I so appreciate you coming on. Oh gosh. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you for thinking of me. I will be at the pageant this year. I will be watching and rooting for you, my new friend. Yay. 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 And I will see the rest of you guys (laughs) on our next episode. Bye y'all.